or confused, get information or a pamphlet at most pharmacies or a health clinic. If you need help, see a doctor. And welcome to the anniversary show for the VD Clinic podcast. Yes, it is another year. I can't believe it. Um, it doesn't, it's four years now. I can't, I'm, I'm Vanessa with you as always and here yet again. Darren. Say hello, Darren. Hello, Darren. I haven't done that in a while. I, I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. Yes. And uh, I, I I, can't believe it's four years. I know you haven't been here the entire time, but you've been here quite. Uh, yeah, I, you've been here a, quite a, a long time. <laughs> yeah, I think I joined in the second year. No, it was still the first year. Was it still the first year? Yeah, so most of the way, if this if this was a band, I'd probably get credits on that album by now. You were eight or nine months in. Yeah. Yes, and the spawn of Canadian Satan himself, David, was uh, going to join us, but that did, uh, didn't work out scheduling-wise. Um, I know some he nitrous didn't tanks work to, last to year to refill either. and stuff like that. What? <laughs> he had some nitrous tanks to refill or something. Yeah, he did. I just, you know, sometimes, but you know, he's, he's got to be helping out, you know, Canadian Satan, his dad. So <laughs> uh, NHL playoffs just started last night. So it's a busy time. I'm right. I get it. Got to take the Tim Hortons coffee. There are four since uh, <laughs> since Canada had their own division this season mm-hmm. because of COVID. Right. There are actually yeah. four Canadian hockey teams in the NHL playoffs for the first time in I don't know how long. Wow. Yeah. Uh, shout out to a friend of the show, Heather, a big Maple I- Leafs fan. I was just going to say... <laughs> I couldn't remember her team. Yep, she's Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, who played my team in the playoffs last year for the beginning, and uh, Columbus beat them. But we stayed yeah. friends. That's responsible. Come talk to me about fandom. basketball. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> talk, talk to her. I know nothing of basketball. Yeah, I got to see my my neck my Brooklyn Nets game. You know last month i was excited about that and um they're doing really well and heading towards uh the playoffs so very happy very happy about that um i think the knicks actually are which not that i'm a 
a, a real Knicks fan, but they just sucked for so long that you're just kind of like, okay, I think I can. I think I can. <laughs> it's just, I kind of root for, you know, you got to root for the underdog sometimes, but <laughs> anyway, we are not here to talk about sports. We are here to talk about Blue Velvet, the uh, 1986 David Lynch movie. Yeah. Wow. I can't believe I was 86, but I, I know I was in high school when it came out and my group of friends and I were kind of obsessed with it for a while. I So I'm going to be warning you ahead of time about that. Um, <laughs> and But it doesn't seem like it was 86. So maybe it just took a while to come to our video store. Because I know we didn't see it in the theater. <laughs> and it was oh, God, I know we didn't see this in the theater. But I do remember seeing it on VHS for the okay. first time. Yeah, I don't know. Let's, I mean, it came out in September of 86. So that's later in the year. Um, yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> I did not see this when it came out because it came out. Uh, right around uh, I think my fifth birthday but mm. my parents were big David Lynch fans so they very well may have left me with my sister and gone to see yeah. it yeah because I'm, I'm trying to think like if it was September of 86 I would have been a sophomore in high school and I know it wasn't then I was at least a junior maybe even a senior in high school. It, if I was a junior, that makes sense. That would have been the next, the following year. So then, yeah, by then it would have been on video. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. But I, you know, what I saw that, I, I guess, you know, when you just think about the, you have to really like put the years together, especially when you're younger like that. Because <laughs> once you, you know, once you graduate, I think once you graduate high school, kind of everything's just like, you know, time is all mostly a blur. <laughs> or at least definitely after college. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't you know, have the grades 20, connected to it. 21, after 21, it's really mostly a blur time it, it it is but it it's just there's such significant things that happen in short periods of time when you're young but i just i don't know i remember just such i i i'm a i love david lynch and this is definitely one of my favorites so i yes i do this was my choice this year um and I'm surprised we haven't talked about a David Lynch film before. Truthfully, because I, I love his film work, even his, you know, little surreal, virtually nonsensical short films with monkeys, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and the cops are joining us and, you know, or his still photography because I don't know if you've seen any of that. I mean, I, I don't have any books on it or anything, uh, or if they're in collections, but I've definitely seen some. He's been... Yeah, like I said, my, my parents were big fans. I liked some of his stuff. I've probably seen... I mean, I've seen a, a lot of his things, but the only film of his I ever saw in the theater was that 
documentary he made about transcendental meditation came out sometime in the last 10 years or so. I missed that one, actually. I read a book that uh, that was related to that, to that but I, I didn't see that film. Um, I have seen virtually every film of his in the theater that he made after Blue Velvet, though. Like, I saw Wild at Heart in the theater. Um, I saw, you know, Lost Highway, uh, Mulholland Drive, Drive. Inland Empire, you know, uh, the bigger, the bigger ones. Um, but there was actually, when I lived in Cincinnati, there was an art exhibit going around the country this was mid nineties, I guess. And it was the, it was still photography. That was David Lynch, John Waters. And I forget who the two other, I think they were, they were directors though, like film directors. One might've been Tim Burton. But it was, you know, and it was, but it, they were all much more, you know, of course, John Waters. I mean, <laughs> we've done John Waters on the show and we were, I think I'm going to do, we're going to cover again, you know, something of his in the coming year. At least I'd like to, maybe I could persuade Darren to do that. Um, but yeah, David Lynch though is there's just something about his work and Twin Peaks, uh, you know, that's just, I remember in college being obsessed with that. Um, my first semester of college, the entire dorm would get together. That was the first season of Twin Peaks would get together and we would sit there in this one room and all watch Twin Peaks together. And it was like a big ritual every, I forget what uh, day of the week it came on. Yeah, it was just, it was a really big thing. And it, but it was all this, this group of just weirdos that was into that aesthetic. And there was something so comforting to know, wow, there are other people like me, <laughs> you know, that can, that see this. And it's like, this makes sense somehow in my head. And I'm not saying all of David Lynch necessarily makes sense, nor does it have to. Pers that's my personal feeling, because I can accept things that don't make sense in films sometimes. Sometimes. Especially if that's the intent. You know, if they... if Right. Yeah, if, if the intent is for it to be open-ended or... or anyway, just to didn't mean to interrupt. give you something to think about. Just, you know, to make you think is it this or is it this? Not just they don't know what to do. You know, it's, and I remember after seeing uh, Mulholland Drive with uh, two friends and one who was in the film industry and the other wasn't. And, you know, and I was just like, oh, wow. Oh, that was fantastic, you know, <laughs> like just totally blown away by it. I'm so excited. 
And then, and then the one friend, he's like, I didn't get that at all. What on earth did I just watch? I didn't, what? I didn't understand it. It made no sense. And I said, it made perfect sense. And he's like, well, then explain it to me. And I looked at him and I said, I don't know if I can. Because, and that's something David Lynch does, I think. He makes you think about things and somehow they can make sense in your brain. Like you can put them in a, because he has such a, makes it a distorted vision of things sometimes or a distorted vision of what is supposed to be reality. You kind of have to like look at things like through a, you know, a, a fun house mirror and to make it make any sense. <laughs> Does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> I understand what you're saying. Yes. Don't okay, worry. Like I, like I said, <laughs> I don't know if I can explain it exactly, but that's, the closest way I can explain it is that, but I mean, yes, there were, of course, I was able to go on and explain certain things about Mulholland Drive to him. Like, so it's not completely that I can't do that. You can't do that about a David Lynch film. Uh, but there are certain elements of that, I think. And that I, I appreciate that a lot. I appreciate a lot of artwork like that like I, i'm a big fan of surrealism so I, th it should be no surprise <laughs> i enjoy dadaism <laughs> it should be no surprise you know what i mean like i was the one who suggested bel de jour so again we shouldn't be surprised <laughs> <laughs> and liquid sky i mean right oh, come on it's i have this history so friends of yours and listeners to the show should not be surprised Right, right, right. So, but uh, when we, when did you first see this? Oh, man. It was sometime in high school. Ah, oh, fuck. I can't remember whose house it was. But you know how occasionally teenagers may or may not get their hands on uh, nitrous? Yes. So, the first time i tried that allegedly uh mm -hmm. somebody put on yeah. blue velvet oh well and i was going to say that when i had these viewing parties of blue velvet with friends of mine in high school mm -hmm. i'm not saying i was partaking but some people were partaking of nitrous yes <laughs> That did occur. That did occur. <laughs> that did yeah, that was that was the first time I saw it. I couldn't. <laughs> if if somebody had asked me what it was about afterwards, I probably mm -hmm. just would have shaken my head a couple times and said, "Yeah." Um, and it's not a. I have seen it since, but with Lynch, I um, this is not. This is this isn't a movie I've seen a lot, and it's been quite some time since I've seen it last. Yeah, it's definitely been a while since I've seen this. And you know, I was kind of it's funny, I was looking around for it yesterday, 
so I could pull it, pull it out for today and just have it ready. And I all of a sudden am looking through my Blu-rays and I'm like panicking because I'm like, oh no, I thought I bought it. It's not there. And because I'm OCD, I have my DVDs in one place, my Blu-rays in another, and each is alphabetized according to, to title. Oh. Then I, in a separate section, I have all my collections of TV shows or like box sets of movies. Okay. It's like, it, I'm like a librarian, okay? <laughs> so, I, I'm like panicking because it's, I'm like looking alphabetically, B, L, B, L, like, no, I'm like, it's B, L, U, no, it, there's nothing there. <laughs> and, and I mean, and I'm going through and I'm like, but I'm just like, oh no, it's not there. I, don't tell me I don't have it. I could have sworn. And then I'm like, okay, let me go look at the DVDs. And then there's nothing there. And I'm just like, wait, what? And then all of a sudden, and my mom's like, let me stop. Where is it? Let me go. And I said, it should be right there. I do this. And I tell her exactly how I am. And so all of a sudden, I remembered in my Black Friday you know, when I decided they were had Black Friday sales, I was going to get a bunch of, you know, Blu-rays. And that's when I got a Criterion collection of Blu-ray, of Blue Velvet. And I had all of those in one spot and I had not alphabetized them yet. And I'm like, are you kidding? I got those back in December. <laughs> and I, here it is, May, and I still haven't alphabetized them yet. I'm like, that's pretty bad. But I really, you know, it's, I need to reassess my storage space, my media storage space is really what it comes down to first. But I know, long, stupid story, but I had a panic attack thinking I didn't have the movie. <laughs> and that was the point of that. <laughs> I similarly yeah. thought I owned it because... Yeah. It seems like something I would buy, and then that way it would be there when I wanted to watch it, as most movies are to people. But, you know, I had just got done saying it had been forever since I had seen it. There are definitely movies I have that I haven't seen forever that I own. And uh, not so bad as right. some people were. They're all still wrapped in plastic. But my organization is a little different because it's there's a six-year-old in the house. So movies yeah, I don't want him to touch. Are high up <laughs> movies I don't uh -huh. care so much about him touching, or movies that he likes to watch are low, <laughs> and it it changes. Well, of course, I mean that's yeah. that makes sense. On that note, I think we're gonna take a quick break, and then when we come back, we will have our commentary of Blue Velvet. <laughs> Hello, it's David Lynch. I'm here to help you celebrate whatever it is that you're doing. As long as you're creating art, you're doing something wonderful for the planet and for you. I'm being told you're talking over a movie I directed called Blue Velvet. I'm excited to hear what you have to say about it. But whatever you do, don't watch it on your fucking phone. 
regardless of how you get the movie, I hope you enjoy it. Best of luck, Vanessa and Darren. Now I'm going to go fill a planter with doll fingers. And while we're at it, the sunrise tomorrow, mustard colored. All right, bye everyone. Okay, we are back um, and not battling about the fact that we couldn't remember where we had copies of this because we have copies now. Yes. And so, and dear listeners, yeah, get ready to watch some Blue Velvet and along with us. And we are starting because Darren and I have two different copies, but after the De Laurentiis Group, entertainment group logo has spun around and it is at the screen where it's the little lion and then deg big in the middle then de laurentis entertainment group underneath and then at the very bottom it has the copyright information okay so yeah we're gonna start from there okay in three two one It has, yeah, it has been a while since I've seen this. What the heck? <laughs> I heard, did you hear that knocking? Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a squirrel on my roof or something of course the neighbors oh brad dorif yeah oh i totally forgot he was in this Yeah, it has such a good cast, and I mean, it's just amazing character actors, as in, I mean, Lynch has a whole stable of character actors that he works with, just like, you know, John Waters and, well, Tim Burton, again, people we were I was mentioning earlier as yeah. those kind of weirdo <laughs> directors, but I think a lot of directors have their own yeah, those those directors that you yep. would describe a film as being, you know, Lynchian or, uh, yeah, I don't know what they call it, but you know, you can recognize, right? You can recognize a Tim Burton film. Yeah, it you can always recognize a Lynch film.
And yeah, I, I would like some credit that I did not try to come into this episode singing that song. Yeah. It's very difficult. Yeah. Gotta have that. Oh. I can't promise that I won't be singing some Roy Orbison later, though. <laughs> well, Orbison's more fun to sing. It, it lends itself. Well, I, I fully expect you to be in your... Because you're going to be in your garage anyway. I, I fully expect you to be there with, you know, a work light. And, um... And, you know, and I love that the dog gets a credit in um, on IMDb for this. Oh, do they? Yeah. Lynch has, he, he does that a lot with dogs, like Tim Burton does, too. Tim Burton, I think, always has a dog in his films. Okay. And I think, yeah, and Lynch has a lot of dogs in his films. Is there a dog in Sweeney Todd? Or is that not Tim Burton? Is that just Jack? That Dan? is Tim Burton. There probably is some little mongrel like running down the, you know, the, the back alley alleys or, or whatever. Those scenes. Of course, the first one I think of is the dog from Beetlejuice. I think of um, Frank and Weenie. Because mm. that was. And also, Pink. Let's call Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Hello. Oh, Speck. How could I forget Speck. you, Speck? I'm sorry. I love Speck. Even Sleepy Hollow had a dog. Always has a dog. Kyle McLaughlin is so young in this. I was going to say that too. The hair. <laughs> like <laughs> cowlick leading leading man haircut right there of course when you're in a room with david lynch mm -hmm. he's always got the best hair pretty much well it would be a competition with him and um I, I don't know, depending on Tom Waits' day of the week, you know, he sometimes has some interesting hair going on. Fair. <laughs> Buck Merrill from The Outsiders. Probably the first time I ever saw Tom Waits. Well, what? Look at him in his Renfield hair, hair from Dracula. It was kind of. Yeah. I mean, that was film, but also just when you see him singing sometimes. <laughs> see. I... Go ahead. I, the ear. I was going to say the ear. Dun, dun, dun. I love the mold that's kind of on the ear. It's such an interesting attention to detail. Yeah, like like it's been sitting in a field of uh, 
wet tall grass yeah and i mean like it has it's it hasn't been out there long <laughs> but i would have gotten a stick or something to try to pick it up a little bit better and not put my hands on it but yeah i mean it, he's he's obviously never picked up after a dog been. what He's obviously never walked a dog and had to pick up after it because you put your yeah. hand in and the bag, pick it up, uh-huh. turn it inside out. There you go. Even did you hear Zora? Zora even knows. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Z. Of course it's the eighties. They're still work working on fingerprinting all the children. Forgetting about Oh Z teaching people how to pick up ears they find in fields. Right. I know. I'm Mr. Good Cop. <laughs> like, he's got that stance, like, <laughs> I don't know, like, <laughs> it's, I'm like, I'm Mr. Joe Friday. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's too funny. It's like he wants to be John Saxon, like that cop, mm. but he's not quite that badass enough. You know, yeah. He, he yeah he wants he wants to be, but he he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't have it in him. I, like John Saxon could be turned into a dirty cop. I don't know if this guy can oh, be yeah. turned into a dirty cop. Oh, no, absolutely. But you, but maybe it's because you get the feeling that the John Saxon, those cops that he plays, you get the feeling that they've been through some shit and seen some shit. This cop, you feel like he, he's not pretty small time. Yeah. So you know, maybe he's just not as jaded yet. So that's why he's not as hardened. But, Yeah. I mean, at least, you know, when the cop that he played in Nightmare on Elm Street, he'd seen the he'd seen them go through the Freddy Krueger thing before. So I guess, yeah, they've already seen some major shit go down. <laughs> <laughs> he's got that. He's like, Fair enough. Now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> like in those movies about Vietnam where the people that are arguing about who's got the thousand yard stare or whatever. Mm-hmm. Back to Blue Velvet. Points to the old lady's knitting while they're watching the film noir. (laughs) I kind of love it. Or rather, the see, there's another dog. So this, yeah, this is, like you said, film noir. And I saw Siskel and Ebert got into a fight about this movie. Or I guess Ooh. that's probably what they always did, but one of them thought it was well, awful, and the other one, big fan. Yeah. Said that uh, the he said that uh, he questioned the treatment of Isabella uh, Rossellini. Mm-hmm. 
but I don't know. I didn't really pay much attention to them, so I sort of skimmed that whole thing. So this is North Carolina, right? Yeah, that's where they filmed this. Ah, uh, 80s hair. <laughs> so he just walks around with his holster on all the time. Well, that's how you know he's a cop. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> and that he really cares. About his job. Guns. Oh. Grizzled old man. Yeah, I mean, it's the film is set in, what, Washington? Or Oregon? Is it? Lumberton is it's supposed to be Pacific Northwest. I mean, it's supposed, to, it's kind of supposed to be like that, I think. Where there's more of like a, a logging kind of industry. Okay. I thought, I thought it was supposed to be set in North Carolina. Well, that's what was filmed. Well, in the thing I read, it said, Jeffrey Beaumont returns home to Lumberton, North Carolina, after his father, Tom, suffers a near fatal Well, stroke. maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Just because it's on the internet. <laughs> That's sure true. As fuck doesn't make it true. That's true. Where are you going? Where have you been? <laughs> yes. Call back. Our second uh, Laura Dern film this is um although i like this infinitely better than smooth talk sorry darren no that's fine i just always wanted to talk about it i did um it, well it was an interesting discussion yes no i have not watched that since uh that yeah I never know if uh, whoever is listening wants to hear us talk just about the movie or mm -hmm. if it's the listening along to a conversation sort of thing. Some people well, like both. Yeah, that's true. I think we make enough conversation about <laughs> um, the palette of that lynch uses like that's that's probably one thing i enjoy the most about all of his work is that visual element and he yeah. always just chooses the right palette for the right mood And he just he knows how to keep it up to maintain a mood. Yes. 
it just sort of pull, pulls you into the. And it's just always the way he works with costumers and like set dressings, props and everything to make it find like one cohesive unit, like the just production design uh, is very, you know, that's one thing that just always stands out to me. One thing that I, this whole little thing where they're walking down the street, where they're taking a stroll, and doesn't he do, yeah, the duck thing here? Yep. <laughs> You're like, what in the world is that? Is that some weird thing he ad-libbed? I mean, that's what it strikes me as. That's what it strikes me as. Do something weird. <laughs> Just, you know, try to get to know her, entertain her. What would you do? Yeah, I can't. Make her I, laugh. I can't. I can't tell you how to make her laugh. Because what makes me make her laugh isn't the same as what makes you make her laugh. Yeah. The um, hardware, the hardware place with the uh, trying to get the exterminator stuff together. Yeah, he's got a ruse. Yeah, I know. I do not know what's going on outside of my building. Sounds... Do you hear all that clanging? Yeah, it sounds like, uh... I don't know. They're getting extra sound effects for a haunted house movie. I guess. Oh, I'll get getting her girlfriends to like, okay, don't tell my boyfriend that I'm going off with this guy to do this thing or whatever. And they're like, you know, I and him over like he's a piece of meat. It's kind of <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. Oh, uh, I thought, is he getting pie? I was I was wonder I, I I couldn't remember if he got pie here or not. Maybe he'll say that is one damn fine cup of Coca Cola, or whatever it is they're drinking. Well, you notice the ketchup bottle is turned away. I'm guessing they didn't want to pay or couldn't afford for any branding. So, because I know that there was like, he, he had issues with the music for this. Oh, yeah? 
Yeah. Like he couldn't, cause he, it was because it was the funding, you know, to make this movie. And, um, so it was like, even like the, the opening blue velvet song, they couldn't afford the original Bobby Vinton recording of it. So what they had to do was hire someone to re to play it, recreate it exactly note for note and everything. And then Bobby Vinton got wind of it or, or whatever, or then they talked to Bobby Vinton or something. Then he came in and actually recorded over that. So it was cheaper for them to do that rather than the original recording. And then the Roy Orbison song that comes up later, he couldn't get the, it was like, couldn't afford the rights to that, but just, just he couldn't afford the rights to whatever Orbison song. And then just decided to put this one in here anyway. <laughs> and then Orbison heard about it and actually ended up being like giving him the rights like i mean being okay with it and they like settled for something like cheap or i mean or yeah but he even like and went as far to like record a music video and all this stuff like helped him publicize the movie <laughs> it was it was it's kind of funny but it was just like you know and you have um you have David Lynch's normal composer who does all of his scores. Was it Angelo uh, Badlamente? That sounds. I think that's like the last a good way name. to say that. I don't have the name in front of me. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. So, um, so yeah, but but this was still early on and their collaboration. But again, the two of them working together is just like Danny Elfman working with Tim Burton, you know, for so many years. Yeah. Uh, I do have his name in front of me and mm -hmm. it is spelled B-A-D-A-L-A-M-E-N-T-I. So Badalamenti sounds like the way to go. Okay, Velvet, so now Twin it's Peaks, Mulholland yeah. Drive. So here's Jeffrey, who has disguised himself just by wearing coveralls and carrying like bug spray. <laughs> he's, so, he's such a complicated disguise. Um, and he's going to go, he gets, um, and how he found out about Dorothy Valens, whose apartment he's going to, is because, whatever, he made the, he made the connection with when he and Lauren Dern were talking in the car. Um, after he had gone to the house 
to meet with her dad. So here we are, Isabella Rossellini, looking like Frankenfurter with that hair. <laughs> it's true. How'd you do I? It would be an entirely different film if Tim Curry opened the door like that in this scene. <laughs> <laughs> an entirely different film. I guess his his uh, exterminator disguise works better in 86 than it would now because if an exterminator showed up and they didn't have you know, goggles and gloves and I don't know what else. And at least some sort of like clipboard mm -hmm. or or little like ID badge. Some something sewn onto his coveralls. Dun, dun, dun. The yellow jacket. <laughs> Smooth, Kyle McLaughlin. What is yeah, it? grab that extra key Well, they're not looking. Jeffrey. Jeffrey Beaumont. Private eye. Freelancer. <laughs> Amateur private eye. That's such a nice 80s, like, look. That kind of mauve and black. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I dig it in a way. <laughs> but I think it would get old after a while. It's, it's a little too much that's in there. And, and she was ha gonna have to she had the uh, Jehovah's Witness magazines that she could go door to door with as the distraction that's a good one what were those called the watchtower awake that... awake is their main magazine but watchtower is another one the watchtower headquarters are here in Brooklyn oh are they Yes. Which ne I which surprised me when I moved to New York for some reason. I was like, I don't know. I just don't think of the Jehovah's Witnesses as New York. I don't know why. Uh, I'm sure some poor, suffering Mormon. It's like, yeah, I'll go live in Brooklyn and run our thing with our massive wealth that the church has. Well, the, the Mormons are something different. Oh, that's right. Should, that's right. Yeah. You should see the Mormons around the city and their little outfits. They come here for missionary work. Save people from sin, you know. <laughs> yeah, there was one. Uh, I was waiting for the bus and there was one that complimented, you know, the band, The Bouncing Souls. Perhaps. Uh, a little bit. 
Okay. Well, they're they're not they're not a Christian band. You know, they sort of took their name from Doc Martens. But mm-hmm. I had a Bouncing Souls hat that doesn't say Bouncing Souls on it. It just had a logo, and one of them was like, "Hey, I like your Bouncing Souls hat," which struck me a little bit more because you know if it just said it, it could be mistaken for a religious band. But with it just being a logo. It would have to actually be recognized. Right. Okay, so they just hatched a plan to come back later that night. And so that they, so that he can get in there and look around. Yeah. So that's where we are now. Here's to interesting experience. Yeah, and they're drinking Heineken. And so when I'd watched this with friends of mine in high school, there would be part of the group that would be drinking Heineken. <laughs> It used to be, well, I don't know. Uh, in high school, it was one of those cheap beers. Well, Heineken's not the cheapest. At least it wasn't at the time. Mm. Then, I mean, it's it's more inexpensive now. But, um... And you have your obligatory Blue Velvet song in the bar. Um, And, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, It's distributed, at least, out of White Plains, New York. But I think there was a... It used to be all imported yeah that's the difference because at the time this came out it was it was all imported that makes sense i think it had stopped doing it stopped being imported in the 90s uh late 90s (laughs) because My friends and I didn't have a whole lot of money, and we often ended up with Heineken. So, not always. You know, we didn't really drink a whole lot of beer. It was usually other stuff, but... You know. You can't dump out half a can of soda and pour a beer in with the rest. (laughs) right right danger is my middle name (laughs) danger is his middle name 
I mean, with the last name Beaumont, he's probably got a lot of middle names. Probably. I <laughs> uh, don't know, Sandy. Yeah, it's... Danger is my middle name. <laughs> I'm a loner, Dottie, a rebel. No, I'm kidding. It's not quite that bad. But you, he has that kind of look like, yeah, I am a badass. <laughs> this is way cooler than going to class. Yeah, exactly. You're so brave. <laughs> like, that's it. That's no, she doesn't quite look like that, but almost like. Because she kind of, you know, is like, okay, no, this is it. I'm going to be a lookout. You need a lookout. You need someone to watch your back. Like, she's in for it. She's not being stupid either. Yeah, they, they, nobody's begun to panic yet, even if they're, somebody is afraid. Yeah, but she's also, she was also, she made the point earlier that she's like, you're not doing this by yourself. You know what I mean? Like, that was real smooth the way he knocked on the door and like started to walk by. <laughs> like, yeah, in, into the darkness. in. Doo, doo, doo. <laughs> oh my goodness. Jeez Louise, I apologize. Pots and pans or a bunch of drum cymbals. There's tail lights. Keep your head down. <laughs> Keep cool. <laughs> Breathe. Look normal. <laughs> Just look out of your periphery. <laughs> oh. What do I do? What do I do? Why is he, oh, the bathroom, because of the beer. It's so stupid. <sighs> Rookie mistake. Absolutely. Danger, Beaumont. Cops are already coming.
maybe I'll start the car. Maybe not. Smooth move, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping in that closet. Now where are you going to go? I do love that black molding on that, like that very, like, lacquer black molding look on the mauve wall. I do dig that. That's a weird way to, you know, to undress. I'm just, I've always thought that of this scene, but that's just me. <laughs> There's not much that is normal about this movie, as True. we pointed out earlier. Maybe it's supposed <laughs> to be jarring or disorienting. Can you feel me near you? And, I, you know, and I'm glad that they cast an actress who has a normal-looking body. Like, yeah. Because she has a little bit of a belly. She's not fat by any means, you know what I mean? But it's like, she's just healthy-looking. She doesn't have, like, anything, like, artificial with her body. Yeah, I, I, I think some people aside, <laughs> as, mm -hmm. as came to my mind, but it, it, that's one of the things with most of David Lynch's Lynch characters. Right. They all you have <laughs> some people pop to mind as contradicting what I'm saying, but they all seem more real. Well, he is. Well, I mean, he come on, he 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 has used people. Of all different types with his casting. And I, I think uh, in a little interview I saw, she said she was doing mostly modeling at this time. She was. Oh, no, I, I mean, yes, her mother was Isabella Rose. I mean, was Ingrid Bergman, but, um, you know, her mother was the one that was the actress and she had really primarily been modeling at this time. I knew, I mean, because I already was following her modeling career. I, I think the first thing I saw her uh, that I was aware of was uh, death becomes her. Hmm. That's I mean, a good role, too. Yeah. That's a good role. I might have seen her in something else, but that was definitely, oh, that's 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 her. You know, the the name with the yeah face and the voice. Right. Oh shit! I came to check on the traps that I. Uh, 
I think that's the proper reaction. Yeah. If you find someone lurking around in your apartment like that. Yeah. And that's smart. Demand a name and then check the ID right away. Nope. I would absolutely yeah. fucking do that. Jeffrey Danger Beaumont. Especially, especially because you already saw him come in as an exterminator and he didn't like harm you then. But here he's coming back. He's not lunging at you with a weapon. So, you know what I mean? So there's not such the physical threat. Absolutely put him on the spot and demand his goddamn ID. <laughs> Keep that ID, too. That's that was that would be what I would do. And then threaten him. <laughs> Decide, okay, okay, what are you doing here? And assess the situation. Should I go to the cops over this? <laughs> or should I hang this over your head like blackmail? <laughs> right. I don't think this would be my reaction. Get naked. <laughs> Not my reaction. I mean, maybe it's, this is, do you feel like your privacy is being invaded? Oh, wait. Right. <laughs> Closer, please, Clarice. Yeah, I, uh, it just, like, the, again, not my reaction, but she has some issues, let's say. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming that's a body double. I I mean... I don't... I know Kyle MacLachlan used a body double in Showgirls so, for his butt work. Um, but I don't know, maybe... But! <laughs> dun dun. Um, I don't know about this. I feel like if it wasn't a double, it wouldn't be so drastic not showing his head or face it probably is him but it could very easily not be him mm. I think it's shot in a way that it could easily be a double yeah so either way they're... whoever whoever it is I appreciate that they have a tan line I'm just going to point that out <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that because we goes back to the conversation of David Lynch casting real actors that yeah. look like real people. Yes. Right, Zora. Zora, David Lynch cast animals that look like real animals too. Enter. Dun dun dun. Frank. Frank. Booth. Played by Dennis Hopper. Oh, I love Dennis Hopper so much. I miss him. 
Yeah, I, I saw his... He did a interview... I think it was on David Letterman. I saw a David Letterman clip of him promoting this movie. Right. And he seemed like he had a lot of fun with it. And he said that initially the idea was for the tanks to be full of helium. Mm -hmm. And he, he had them change it. <laughs> yeah. What I read is that in this scene, he didn't know until they got into this scene and were filming it that she was actually nude underneath the robe. And this was the first time they had worked together. Oh. I'm like, oh my God, I can't even imagine the shock of just being like, I was not expecting that. <laughs> just like, not like you're even being upset, but just like, wait a minute, okay. <laughs> but, uh, and I don't know whose decision it was to do that, but um, if that was David Lynch or Isabella Rossellini, but, uh, <laughs> oh, Dennis Hopper, ah, oh, Dennis Hopper, you know, I, um, in the word, what is that? The word fuck is said 56 times in this movie. And all but one of those times is said by uh, Dennis Hopper. Oh, really? <laughs> so that's 55 of those times out of 56 is by Dennis Hopper. <laughs> Very easy to believe. Yeah, right. So in other words, never play a drinking game or something based around that <laughs> because you might pass out <laughs> like in a bad way <laughs> the I don't even know what to say about the kind of little ritual type scene this is supposed to be. Yeah. Whatever twisted psychosexual ritual it is. Yeah, I don't know. Because that's kind of what it is. You know, you see that it they've played this out. They, do you know what I mean? Yeah, this isn't the first time that she's gone this through is, it. No, this is the, an exact, this is a, a game that has been repeated. 
unfortunately. She's, she's tired and she's yeah deadening or disassociating. Absolutely. At this year, at um, around New Year's, one of the local or whatever syndicated station, DigiNet stations, did a, like a four-day marathon of Twilight Zone episodes, and they showed everyone, every done, even the ones that you kind of never see, like hour-length ones. It, because they're all usually half hour. But one of the hour length ones had Dennis Hopper in it. And he, and it was essentially a kind of a story that was kind of like, seemed very much like that, you know, that Sinclair Lewis book that we read. It can't happen here. Oh, yeah. You could see part of that, but then it was also inspired by, you know, Hitler and the rise of, you know, the Nazi party, except it was set in the United States. Um, it was very, in, and so Jenneth Hopper played like the, the head white supremacist neo-Nazi guy hmm. who's working up the crowd and you listen to his rhetoric and it sounds so much like a Trump kind of rally in parts of it like it starts out some of that and then it grows progressively like more you know more extreme yeah. uh, very quickly yeah it's just it's kind of it was it was very eerie what was it called again I can't remember the name of that Twilight Zone episode. That Twilight Zone episode, um, but it was the original run, and it had Dennis Hopper in it. But it was, yeah, it was really, really good. He's alive, is what it's called. Maybe a power-hungry American Nazi, Dennis Hopper receives advice yeah. from a mysterious benefactor. Yeah, 19, January nineteen sixty-three, season four. Episode four. Written, yeah. it says written by Rod Serling. I just kind of assumed he wrote all of them, for the he, most part did, back then. He did, he did quite a lot. Um, yeah. Oh, Dennis Hopper. That was another actor that my dad was, a, is or was a big fan of. Yeah. Did you ever see that movie with him and Kiefer Sutherland called like Flashback or something? Are you kidding? I think I saw that in a theater with my dad. <laughs> One of those movies I saw as a child of divorce in the 80s. Yeah. That one was always on HBO when I was in uh, high school.
1990. <laughs> what? Yeah, I th yeah, it was something like that. Well, it's on Paramount Plus right now, if anybody has that. So anyway. <laughs> we're back to after the all that, psychosexual neo-noir. Okay, what clue did he find? Dun dun dun. Birthday picture. Her husband and their child. So the plot thickens for Danger Beaumont. Now, this was nominated for an Oscar. He just walks slowly out of the darkness. Like a candle in the wind. Sorry. His jammies are not black yet. Heir to a hardware store function. It's a morning. Dun dun dun. Moments later. Ugh, fucking internet. We don't need any infrastructure, though. Nope. Not at all. Okay, she's finally driving away in the car. Okay. <laughs> you, Where are you again? His knuckles? No, he's knocking on... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And he's not... He just knocked on room 710. Now Dorothy is coming to answer the door. Okay, we're back in sync. We're back in sync, dear listeners. Thank you for bearing with us when we had a little technical snafu and then a, mis a miscommunication. Okay. Glad to know it was sort of still comfortable throughout all of this. Perfect. Okay. Now, here we go. In three, two, one. And someone is knocking on the door downstairs at the same time as this is happening. This is kind of funny. <laughs> 
weird going back to the scene of the crime and trying to have this conversation. Because after all of that weird psycho sexual ritual stuff with uh, Frank Booth, she then ends up having sex with him. Again, strange move, but that's just me. (laughs) Then this is when it starts getting interesting. For me, like when this movie really starts getting interesting, it's kind of when the worlds really collide. Yeah. Because he's already witnessed this and has been, and just by finding the ear, he was already, and then fascinated by this, the mystery behind it. You know, it's kind of, He's already pulled into their quote-unquote dark world. But once Jeffrey and Frank meet each other, then <laughs> it's, a, it's a total different story. And there he waits. Oh yeah, you're so smooth going and following Frank. does work at a hardware store. Yeah. He's trying to be all smooth. Looking at names on mailboxes. People never have your name on your mailbox. Just, it's a tip. <laughs> keep people out of your business. At the very least, keep your first name off it. Absolutely. But, yeah. The male person knows. 
Precisely. Also, technically, the Postal Service, it doesn't matter the name on there. Just as long as the number matches, they'll deliver you anyone else's mail. Yep. I get plenty of other people's mail. And they don't like to take have... it back. Yeah. I think he had a grilled cheese. It looked like a grilled cheese or a BLT last time when they were at the diner. So it looks like they are having, like, he's having that with, like, a pickle and something and then a little Coke. Does Kyle McLaughlin have an earring in that scene? Perhaps. Doesn't look like he does any other time. Maybe in his imagination he has an earring. Or something's reflecting and looking like he has, making it look like he has an ear, a little hoop earring. Yeah, maybe it's the something with the light. This is a weird random crime. Yeah. Seemingly random crime. Just the way the woman's legs are. Like, <laughs> that's pretty rough. Pointing that out. Perhaps stating the obvious, but I'm just pointing it out. I'm going on record. That's my feeling. Speaking of booth, I've got something to tell you. Oh, really? You're such a dog, Jeffrey. You and your chiseled jaw. <laughs> and that hair. Got him elected mayor of Portlandia. 
Yeah, and even that episode of Law and Order SVU, where he, I mean, he's not such a nice guy on that episode. Um, you can, you know, you're still kind of like, oh, shucks, I can't help but like him. <laughs> and I can't, I don't... I guess we should call you by your character's name because I don't think Kyle McLaughlin would do this. Well, I don't know. I don't know Kyle McLaughlin personally. I I I don't I don't think so. Just based on what we see in the public persona. Yeah. Yes. Basically, basing off interviews and his Twitter presence, I would not think that Kyle McLaughlin would do this. But that's just those things. Yeah. And see, being with Dorothy allows him to, and and then being with you know. The uh, Laura Dern, is it Sandy character? Is that her character name? I think so. Um, Am I making that up? No, her just she's Sandy Williams. That's it. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's just she looks so much like. Um. Sandra D or whatever from Greece. Yeah. The They make her look, you know, but it's like the the Madonna and the whore kind of image of women. Her son's music box thing or whatever propeller little hat. Yeah, I, I was like, is that a hat that plays music? I That's what I think. I thought it was on his head in the picture. It's on his head in the picture, but it thought it played music. Which is kind of weird. I, or maybe it is just a wind-up thing when you put it and you wear it on your head but there's no music maybe I'm imagining the music I don't know David Lynch making us question reality okay and Dun, dun, dun. 
another one. Take another drink. And then there's Brad Dourif and Jack Nance back there. I forget who the other guy. This is where it gets really bananas. <laughs> I think that's a technical term. I love Brad Dorif's jacket. <laughs> it will. And, um, and Dennis Hopper's leather one is, 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 is nice. It's a nice cut. I'm not too sure about those pants that Brad Dorif has on in that scene. <laughs> uh, you know. I think it was kind of the little ladies, little two eighties. They almost they they almost, but not quite, look like parachute pant material. Oh, it's gonna be a rough ride. That, yes. What does the Betty Davis line put on your seat belts? It's going to be a bumpy night. Yeah. Uh, I think that works here. And this worked at, literally in this situation, although I doubt this car has seat belts. Which is, <laughs> I think, of that make and model. They didn't make them yet. Mm. Or. Something tells me they were ripped out if they did have them at one point. <laughs> Used to, yeah, strangle someone or... Oh my goodness, this brothel with Dean Stockwell. R.I.P. Another one. I love Dean Stockwell. He's fantastic in this. This is, uh, this is like, yeah, this also works for John Waters' set, too. Yeah. So whenever we would have the, the viewing parties with friends of mine for Blue Velvet, Pabst Blue Ribbon was the other beer that was served. Oh yeah, well, because of because of this movie. Ugh. So it was Heineken or Pabst Blue Ribbon. Because Heineken fucked that shit. Pabst Blue Ribbon, you know, as yeah. Frank screams that. Yeah, I. I know she earlier she said her dad dad drinks Bud, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. They, beer is a big discussion here. The eye work, like the emoting that Dean Stockwell does with his eyes in this movie, it's just fantastic. His reactions to, like, Dennis Hopper are priceless. 
Seems like they pro they had a lot of fun. Oh, I'm sure. I I think that Isabella Rossellini, I think it was yeah, Isabella Rossellini said that they actually um there were some scenes where David Lynch and some of the other like crew and actors who wouldn't be filming or like who would be who will have just gotten off, you know off screen or whatever that would be there and they would just be kind of laughing about some of the scenes <laughs> and as she was doing them she's like I didn't think about it but then when I looked back at it she's like it is totally hysterical to me because it's so ridiculous that we went there and that we did some of these things and you know and she's like I just remember it was actually this the actual filming the logistics of it were really funny and humorous even though the end product of the film you know, it's a disturbing, supposed to be a disturbing situation. But she's like, when I think about the logistics of the filming and, and uh, you know, some of these different things, it was really funny. And I get why people were laughing about it. And it was also just to break the tension of kind of the parts of this that were disturbing. You know? Mm -hmm. Which then, I mean, you hear that about certain industries like morticians and medical examiners have a, you know, a, a distinct kind of sense of humor yes just because they're having to deal with such heavy issues on a regular basis yeah the ways to deal with that shit. Yeah. I, um... Darren, something tells me I, I think you could sport that Dean Stockwell jacket. <laughs> I, I think you could carry it. I would try it. I like, I'm I not like sure. Nice I'm not sure if you would need the frilly shirt to go with it, but you might be able to pull that off as well. Maybe I, I do pretty well in a uh like a, a jacket over a t-shirt. Yeah, see that I that would probably be better. Goes a little bit more smoothly with my aesthetic. Right. I don't think I could do the Brad Dorf jacket, though. <laughs> Few people can. Few people can. It really lends itself well to, like, his lanky frame. Right. Or his frame lends itself well to that jacket. You know what I mean. Oh, I forgot he goes and stands up on the end of the couch. Okay. Now's the time we all start singing our Roy Orbison. 
he has like near kabuki makeup on. Yeah. If you realize it's not just his face is powdered, like which you could tell earlier, but it's like a very distinct line around. So it's almost like a clown. It's not blended like regular makeup. Yeah. It's kind of inter it's an interesting effect. It's yeah, just like a mask. <laughs> how many time how many takes do you think it took to get this right oh i can't imagine too many but i i know that you had they there was a definite way that they all saw this that it didn't happen automatically Right. Yeah, you wouldn't, for you, wearing that jacket, you certainly would not be wearing it with those pants. No. He shouldn't be wearing it with those pants. <laughs> like, it, white pants don't work for me in that with that jacket. Yeah. No. Or even with that shirt. But it looks like the shirt's lighter than the pants. Is he wearing a cummerbund, though? Yes, he is. He needs, like, black pants. He could have a, the cummerbund could also be black, or it could even match the jacket. For him, not for you. I don't think you need a cummerbund. Nah, not a fan. Yeah. They work for certain people. Yeah, and then here's the you get the the shot of Lynch going down like the that he has in a lot of his things where he's like going down a road or a highway. Now things are just well, it's not going to be good. Yeah, it's it's getting at this point. It's about to get really ugly. <laughs> oh. oh yeah, you know. <laughs> let's just have some nitrous while yeah, we're at it. You know. The You know, I don't think I've seen this since um <laughs> Everybody re up. You have to at a point. Oh, angry Dennis Hopper. 
I think the most uncomfortable I've ever been in the back of a car. Yeah. Oh, wait. Well, I guess this is... I don't want to talk over this whole scene, but... Yeah. There you go, Kyle. Stand up. Um, I got mistaken for an acid dealer by a skinhead once. And yeah. uh, he jumped me and my friend and threw us in a van and took us out to the reservoir. Oof. Shit. Yeah. But uh, that eventually got cleared up without more violence than the headbutt to the face I got <laughs> at the beginning. Well, that's good. Yeah. Oh, this is, about, you know, this is where it starts to get weird. I mean, you know, Dennis Hopper, well, <laughs> this was already <laughs> weird. Let me put it that way. <clears throat> now Dennis Hopper is, you know, lipsticked up and kissing. Yeah. Kind of like crank it there. up a notch. Right? As if the nitrous weren't one thing. Yeah, I thought, thought I lost you for a second again. No, sorry, I was had a cough. Okay, now I need to get up on a car or something and start badly dancing. That to me is also very John Waters. Yeah. <laughs> Dance like you're in a cage in a Rob Zombie video. No, Rob Zombie was saying that probably about John Waters or yeah. David, David Lynch. I like Rob Zombie, however. <laughs> we gotta call it what it is. Yeah, he's... The homage yeah, is... He's, he's in the Tarantino school with less talent. Yeah. I appreciate his visual aesthetic in immensely. But, yeah, with his films, I think he needs to work with another writer. <laughs> <laughs> I think Tarantino's in that territory, too, honestly. Like, he's gotten that point. <laughs> yeah. Meow. <laughs> Zori just wants attention. Somebody's still dancing on top of a car. Well, I think that's got to be what happens when Roy Orbison's on. I know. Zora, get yourself comfortable. Got about a half hour left, Cat. A little bit more. Dance. Had to get up. Had to get up and get back. Get back down. Basically. Almost sounded like a James Brown song. Gotta get on up. Uh, to get back 
Yeah, see, he has a little earring. Mm. But he doesn't have it in in other scenes. It's a small hoop. Maybe he was seeing the future in that early scene. Well, I don't know. Maybe they went back and filmed those scenes later. Maybe. After he had gotten his ear pierced. Doesn't seem to be a thing that would be missed accidentally. Or, uh, yeah. He's pretty good on that sort of stuff with his filmmaking. Yeah. Or it could just be that he... The character decision of some days I'm going to wear this, some days I'm not. But I'm guessing most practically... Kyle MacLachlan got it later. And he's been drawn into this dark world and is crumbling as a person. In addition to getting his ass beaten. Oh, the side ponytail. <laughs> I feel like that was very 80s as well. Or maybe it's just with those bangs. Maybe. Laura Dern really had that look down. In this film, and like smooth talk, like <laughs> it's just that it look of a certain era. Yeah, it's certain certain kind of teenager or young young adult. He's like, uh, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. It's over with. <laughs> and then he goes to the cops. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, shit. He's wearing the same jacket. It's the same guy who saw him when he was in the apartment. Was he paying attention? And that he saw or heard Frank talking about. And who he saw the well-dressed man talking with. He's putting it all the together. The plot thickens. The plot thickens. A lot of darkness in the movie. There is. But... It's well lit when it needs to be well lit.
so he's come to talk to her father. I've got the envelope right here. And he's gonna hope that he's a good cop. Pretty much at this point. violins yep you of course recognize the detective in that picture but uh look at my face What else has he been in? The actor that plays the father. What else has he been in? Was uh, he Detective Williams here? Let me look. Um, do, 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 do. A whole bunch of television. Psycho 2. No Mercy. Yeah, Psycho 2, playing the county sheriff. Oh, he was on uh, Hill Street Blues for six episodes, if anybody ever watched that. One episode of Charlie's Angels. Maybe that's where I've seen him recently, because I've been watching a lot of Charlie's Angels. <laughs> could be but, yeah yeah he's just one of those actors that you've just seen around George Dickerson he does have a name yeah. thought I'd <laughs> give that to people oh you look so cool Kyle McLaughlin got those Beaten up in the face sunglasses. Mm-hmm. There's cop car for what reason? And oh, her dress is so 1980s Laura Ashley, all the rage at that time. 
those dresses people wanted me to wear and I was like, oh, they're so hideous. <laughs> For one, I don't like florals like that. And two, they don't have pockets. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So the dad trying to assure him, Jeffrey, that everything is going to be okay. He'll, he's going to take care of everything with the detective that is Gordon, that is the yellow man. Curious George's uh, kidnapper. Yeah, right? Well, the big yellow, well, he... He doesn't have a hat. Oh, right. It's the man in the yellow hat, not the man in the yellow suit. Well, this... well but he does have a yellow suit, though. Does he? Yeah. What do they call him, though? The man in the big yellow hat. Oh, okay. I think. That's, that's what I was thinking. Because he has a big yellow hat to go with it, but he's always wearing a big yellow suit, too. He's tall and a big, in his suit, yeah, is yellow. I guess since with he doesn't brown, have the hat. With brown boots. Oh, there's your friends. Oh, the sweaters over the shoulder. Of course, and the sweater vest over a short sleeve shirt. Oh, that's what it is. I thought it was a draped sweater, but it's totally. I'm sure vest. someone in that scene has one of those. At least one person does. My bangs are getting bigger and bigger to cover my bruised and mutilated face. They are, kind of. Her bangs got bigger as well. Well, her entire, all of her hair got bigger and poofier. It's dance at a bar level. This is just teenage house party, kind of. Like high school house party. I mean, and, and he's got the earring in for this, so, you know, he's looking like a, a cool bad boy. <laughs> he's on it. He is. I saw that Mega Mulali was in this before she got cut out. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I don't know if you are familiar you're probably familiar with the actress and or yes from I am. probably stage more than screen but oh no i i know some of her her tv stuff all i can really think about is uh for tv is will and grace and parks and rec i watched a lot more parks and rec than will and grace oh no i'm thinking like um children's hospital that um adult swim show oh. she's in and um oh she's done voiceover work 
Lots for animated series. Work. Yeah. Um, she's really good in that. I forget. I mean, like, there's some that she's really, really good in. I love her. Yeah. In Bob's Burgers is the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, Bob's Burgers her. is. It's exactly what I was gonna say. Is Bob's Burgers is 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 a her big one, but she's done some you know some other voiceover stuff. I think she did. I think she did some on Big Mouth. Probably. Uh, yeah. I like I like seeing her and uh, her hubby when they work together. Nick Offerman. That's always fun. Yeah. He's also he also pops into um, Children's Hospital. I would catch an episode when it originally ran. I'd catch an episode here and there of that, but then they put it on Hulu like the entire series and so i started watching it <laughs> and it's just totally ridiculous um but it does have some good people in it that i like was that where uh, paul Shear's a clown doctor or something paul Shear is he the clown doctor in it or is that rob hubel i don't know I saw he, some of it, but yeah, not Rob Hubel is in it, I think, and I think he's—I forget who the clown doctor is, but yeah, Paul Shear is in it. Um, I just get—you know—it's just I got a bunch of different comedians that you're—you've seen. Back to Blue Velvet, where not only has to deal with Frank and those bozos. You know, those real bozos, like, beating him up. He has to deal with her, not just her ex-boyfriend or whatever, Mike, and his stupid drunk jock buddies, now then naked Dorothy shows up. on his, uh, or on the, the lawn. <laughs> like, uh, it's complicated, everybody. It's complicated. Rob Cordry was a clown doctor on children. Thank Hospital. you. Rob Cordry. I couldn't remember who, but, it, um, no, Paul Shear, it does appear in the series and, uh, yeah, a bunch of the usual suspects of that kind of like generation of comedic actors. Some that were on the league and some that were, you know, some that are on, uh, I think ended up on Parks and Rec. Some ended up. Yeah. Like yeah. The Chicago improv. Yeah, kind of. Well, and came out of New York, too, a little bit. I can explain, Laura Dern. Sort of. Yeah.
Whose cry is more extreme and more bananas? Dorothy's or the Sandy character? Like, it's just... I would say Sandy's is less earned. Yeah. Just because of what all the things that Dorothy has gone through. I agree. Not that Sandy's had a great time. No, no, no. I'm not saying the situation's great for Sandy, but... Also, yeah, it took her a long time to get some clothes to put around Dorothy. Wasn't there a blanket somebody could have offered her sooner? I mean, it's the mid-80s. I feel like there's probably a blanket over every piece of furniture. Yeah. Or in, you know, one of the numerous closets. Well, you know, you did have the little old lady there knitting, so you know there had to be a blanket nearby. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what I have. I mean, I'm not old yet, but... <laughs> but knitting people have knitting things around. It's just, it's it's a thing, yeah. Yeah, he did deserve the slap. Yes. Because that was a shitty thing. I mean, you know. But also, that was not all about her. (laughs) I'm pointing that out. The the utter horror. Well, although she is also young. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine how I'd be feeling if I were her at the time. But, yeah, I mean, Dorothy's dealing with the Oedipal rape fantasies of nitrous out Dennis Hopper. (laughs) True. Um, So, I don't know. What do we think about, here he is in college, and she's supposed to be in high school still. Yeah. Is that appropriate? I mean, you it doesn't you they don't say how far he is in college. If he's a freshman in college, I will not deduct points. Or even a sophomore, like you know, I'd like but that's you know what I mean? Yeah, 17 if she's like 17 and he's 19. Well, she could even be 18. She could be, I guess, yeah. It's hard to she tell because be a... I don't know. A how senior. Yeah. She could. Right. She could technically be a senior in high school. They don't say she's younger. And truthfully, she doesn't. She looks like I buy her as a high schooler, but she doesn't look too young. Right. So. It, but it's also written so it doesn't seem like she is that young. Uh, but I, I wanted to ask if you thought it was an inappropriate 
you know, age gap or situation relationship potential between the two of them. Yeah, I think it depends on how long he's been in college. <laughs> right. It, in, exactly. In real life, he was twenty-seven and she was nineteen. Yeah. See, that's that's too big of a difference. <laughs> um. Yeah. That's a kind of banana scene to walk into. Like, uh, I left my exterminator costume. The, um, uh, I, I will say the staging of it is very creative. The fact that he's standing up, his hand twitches, but he's technically not alive. Yeah. Dun dun. You figure out whose ear it was. Although he's at that, but yeah, he's at that point that he's dying, I guess. But I feel like he would have fallen over before this. You would think. The police radio thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is before the Patriot Act. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's kind of like, I'm just, I'm done. I don't know what to say. He's like, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm yeah. spent. Exaggeratedly dust off your hands, throw your arms up. Leave. But. It starts to go. Then he sees the well-dressed man. And gets an idea. Is it Frank? Is it another person? Are they the same person? Wait, what? Maybe. I don't know. He's away. I'm in trouble. I gotta think of something. <laughs> like, My tie is catching wheel. all the you light. You can see the wheels turning in his head. 
My bangs are definitely not long enough to hide the rest of me. But the guy... Get in there. God, he of course he drops the key as he's trying to get in. Frank trying to get up the stairs. Well, it sounds like you're kind of screwed there, buddy. No. Give him what he has to do is, if he thinks about it, which he does, give the wrong location of which room he's in, hide the walkie-talkie, and then hide somewhere else. See? He thought about it. Misdirection. Exactly. Gonna go into the closet that hid me so well. The first time. Oh, right? It's a great track record. People love wigs in this movie. Because Dorothy had a wig on. No, Frank has a wig. And some of those women in that brothel look like they had wigs too oh yeah yeah and the frankenfurter hair was a wig and that's what i mean doom 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 he's fall is he falling for the bait going after the course now he's got the nitrous out run, 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 run. yeah get a gun so I mean you know he just he had to at least do something. Yep. Prepare himself better. I'd probably be ducking. Thinking yeah. that he'd be going for a center mass shot if he decides to shoot up the closet. True. And, of course, he's he's got his blue velvet fetish at the same time as whatever other part of his Oedipal complex. As he shoots. It's a good shot. Yeah. And the good guys are just coming to save the day. With his probably underage daughter for some reason. Maybe she just lives or with she... them. 
Maybe she's. Oh wait, no wait. She is in high school. We saw. Yeah, that. she is. Cause her boyfriend Mike that she broke up with. It's like on the football team. Like, not that there isn't college football, but it was a high school football. Yeah, that was very much a high school setup where they're carrying their books and. Sneaking off in his convertible. And her dad's just standing there. I don't know. Maybe he is supposed to be younger. Hmm. Who knows? And here we are to an ear again, except a cleaner one. <laughs> yeah. In one ear, out the other. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I figured somewhere there was going to be an ear joke. Leave it to you. Yeah. Well, you know, my dad joke powers have only grown since I became a dad. I prefer to refer to it as Laffy Taffy humor. There we go. I, I like the non-gendered use of the humor. It's the type of joke you would find on Laffy Taffy. Or Bazooka Joe. Right. Or those popsicle sticks. Uh, those are always my favorite. <laughs> The robot bird from Jason Clash's Yeah, <laughs> Almost. Or it's made by the same person. I guess that one's an owl. That's an owl. I don't I don't think Ray Harryhausen did these. No. I think in eighty six he was too busy shooting his cameo in Spies Like Us. <laughs> Whenever that came out. I don't know. Might have been eighty six. 85. Doesn't he play one of the doctors in Afghanistan? It's possible. I don't remember. It's been a while since I've seen that. That was definitely one of the heavy cameo parts of the movie. There's the hat that plays music, maybe. It spins around with its propeller. Well, you know that. And she's rescued her son now that Frank is dead. Even though, unfortunately, her husband died throughout all of this. Uh, better him than the kid, probably, in their situation or their preference. Right. And 
the cast. And the dog, Sparky. There you have it, folks. You know what? We are going to take a short break, and then we will come back to finish up the show with just a little bit more. Okay? So we will be back momentarily. Heineken! Fuck that shit! Pax Boo Ribbon! Okay, we are back. Um, wow. I, I really, I really, really like that movie. Um... But yeah, it had been a while since I'd seen it, and there's just there are always certain things that you see with the with the David Lynch movie. I feel that it's it's almost like fresh eyes every time. Mm-hmm. There were some parts that I did not remember. Well, well, I know you've seen it quite a lot more times than I have, and you've got a better memory than I have. But similarly, I had parts where I did not know what was going to happen. We're not saying that right. you felt that way, but yeah. Well, it's also just seeing through different eyes of time too. Mm-hmm. I like it more now. I think I, the older I get, mm-hmm. the more I like right. it. Oh, certainly. Certainly. It's not to say that I didn't like it when I first saw it or or when I was young. I just like it and appreciate it in a different way now. Yeah. On a much wider level. You know, it's I I appreciated the artistry definitely when I was young, but there were certain other layer meeting layered meanings that not to say that I wasn't a critical thinker at a young age, because I, I was, I was reading a lot from a very young age, and so that kind of forces it to some degree. But you know, you're just through experiences in life. You know what I mean? That that that's kind of where you your vision expands over time. And upon a rewatch, I think of a film, and that this is definitely a, a film that a rewatch is. It's not a must to appreciate the film, but I think it's a benefit. Yeah, the first first time through was. Well, I was going to say, I don't know if it's the right word, but I, yeah, I, I would say the first time I saw it, I was a little overwhelmed. Um, with this, like all the sensory stuff and all the stuff that I hadn't seen in a movie. <laughs> right. Uh, so the, yeah, the, and the, uh, the condition in which I saw it the first time, it was more of a experience than a, than a viewing. Mm hmm. And yeah, uh, I, I think I don't know if I guess we, we always do the recommend, not recommend. But really, if you if uh, you're you made it to this part 
in a commentary on the movie, you've either seen it or you really have no intention of seeing it. Right. But it's David Lynch. I don't know any David Lynch movie or project that I wouldn't recommend. But Well, but I, there are certain people I know I could never recommend a David Lynch movie to. Yeah. That's... But it's not because I don't want to recommend it. Yeah, I like it enough. It's just I know certain people wouldn't appreciate it. Yeah. And that's not to say it's anything bad. It's just... It is what it is. He's, it's a very specific type of movie. <laughs> that it is. That it is. No, and I love those kinds of movies. I've established, as I've said before, and I not just this episode, but... um, Right. Yeah, David Lynch is certainly one of those directors that I don't think there are any people that are middle ground on David Lynch. <laughs> right. You, you know, that's the best way I can put it. Not yeah. to say you love him or hate him. It's just the, you love him or you're just kind of like, that is so not for me, uh, but not in a spiteful way so much. Yeah. Academically. Or something a little bit more scientific than how I talk about movies. Yeah, it, it's up there. It's I'm sure it's on Turner Classic Movies. Uh, you said you've got the Criterion. Yes, it was beautiful. Um, uh, it comes the booklet that comes with it has some uh, excerpts from a, a David Lynch book. Uh, and yeah, I, I can't wait to see it with, see all the, the special features because I, this today was the first time I had cracked open that criterion thing that I, that I bought last uh, black Friday. So oh, nice. <laughs> Yeah. Before you go do that, and I hope there's a commentary. I don't know if David Lynch does commentaries, but th those are probably fascinating. If he does I, something I like have that. to see who the commentaries are by if they're on there, because that would be fascinating to see who. Yeah, see, because then if he does do one, you know I'm going to have to listen to that and report back. Oh. <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> but you still need to tell us what we are doing next month before we go. Well, so now that we've gotten this, this is four years. I can't believe it. Um, but now we're going into our next year and it would be June. So that is pride month. And even we're, we're going to go to some kind of fun, campy, kind of movies this time around. Uh, we're going to do a double feature of Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky. And uh, <laughs> I think it'll just, I think it'll be fun. It'll be interesting we'll at to least, revisit. Yeah, we'll at least get to talk about John Waters again since he is um, 
Well, hey, neighbors now are having a party, apparently. Because hey. we did, what, Tom of Finland last year? Yes. And... Uh, My lesbian experience with loneliness. Yes. Yeah, so you know, we kind of needed I kind of needed a little reading break just because of some scheduling things. So, we will come back with some reading material very soon, we promise. But we will also in June uh announce kind of some Patreon kind of bonuses that we will be offering for those of you that are Legion Patreon uh, members. So, yeah, happy to uh, announce that next show. And in the meantime, Darren, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, no. Uh, I know this one's a little bit longer than usual, so thank you for getting to this point uh, over on Psychosemantic. Not sure all what's going on. Uh I just there will be more stuff going on this summer and I am representing uh Psychosemantic and VD Clinic in the podcast under the stairs summer series again this year. So the uh lack of reading for June will help me out because I don't know when they start coming out, but we start recording those around sometime in June. Yeah. So, I'm going to be watching lots of movies from 2010 and 2014, and then the the decade as a whole over the summer. Well, that will be a challenge. <laughs> yeah, some as better than is, others. As it usually is, as it usually is. Yeah. Uh, what about yourself? Um, nothing else at the moment that I can report, but I do want to thank all the listeners, not just for hanging in on this long episode. I know commentaries can be long, but uh, thank you for listening to us in general. We really appreciate you. Yes. Um, this past year has kind of been on every, the schedule's been disrupted, and you know we're gonna. We're trying to figure some, and change, figure some things out, and make some changes, kind of to adapt to how schedules have changed. You know, after the past year, and you know, just start kind of getting into a more normal sense of space for us and for you. <laughs> We're doing a corporate reorganization. Not the corporate. corporate. Without the corporate. Um, so, yeah, and actually because we are not corporate, we would love to hear from you to, you know, if, any, any, if you have any suggestions of something that you would like to hear, certainly feel free to let us know if there's a movie or a book. Uh, you know, there's a someone that guess that you think oh or someone you know might you think we might want to check out come on as a guest i don't you know we're open yeah 
And we're not saying that we're going to change a lot or we're not going to change a lot. Right. It's just I exactly. think this will be the first time we've checked in, uh, taken the taken the show to the mechanic to see if everything's still working and calibrated correctly. And well, you got. I mean, you got to go to your 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 annual checkups, and I know I've been the past year certainly since the pandemic began like all my regular schedule of going to my medical doctor all my doctor kind of checkups and on a regular basis they got thrown out of wax so we needed to do that with the show and just uh but we're we're getting our shit together <laughs> we're all trying at least we're all trying we're trying we're trying <laughs> Anyway, thank you for listening to us. And on that note, um, I'm Vanessa saying goodbye. Darren? I am Darren, and I am also saying goodbye. Bye. curious or confused get information or a pamphlet at most pharmacies or a health clinic if you need help see a doctor